the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is just by nature an exploitation of women and children inside of their own clinics. That's one of the reasons, many times, that's one of the things that causes them to say, I don't want to work here anymore. You know, when people say, well, I believe in the right to choose. The right to choose what? In a culture as politically polarized and aggressively tribalized as ours, how do people change their minds? I'm Georgie Borman, a mother and cultural commentator born and raised on the West Coast. I want to know what we can learn from people who've been on both sides of contentious issues, whether they end up on the right or the left. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the 180 cast. I mean, I believe that abortion was really the right call most of the time for most women who had unplanned pregnancies. Welcome to the 180 cast. We are here today with Abby Johnson of Pro-Life Fame. Um, For those of you who don't know, the movie based off Abby's pro-life conversion is coming out March 29th, I believe. It's called Unplanned. You guys should go check it out. I've heard really good things so far from my friends. Hopefully I'll be able to see it, but I might not be able to see it until after this baby comes because I'm I'm pregnant and I'm very sensitive. But I did read your book, Abby, and it's really, really good. so many of our listeners will be familiar with the the outward facts of your story that you worked for Planned Parenthood, that you were a, a clinic director, that you witnessed an ultrasound guided abortion, um, and that Planned Parenthood tried to take you to court and tried to shut you up, and they failed, praise God. Um, but what struck me about your book, what I found so fascinating, is that it goes much, much deeper than just the events that unfolded. It talks a lot about like your inward struggle that you had throughout this throughout your whole you know eight years at Planned Parenthood and even a little bit after like it wasn't an immediate flip like a light bulb went on necessarily with like the whole thing so I want to focus on that process Um, you grew up in a pro-life household and then you found yourself working for Planned Parenthood for eight years so can you tell me what was like going on in your brain when you signed up to volunteer at the clinic like what was the process how did you justify it in your mind um you know honestly i just sort of went in to to check things out um you know i'd been told this this is what we believe this is why we're doing what we're doing um and everything that they had told me sounded pretty good honestly i mean you know we want to reduce abortions we want to make abortion obsolete we want to um help women in crisis we want to provide health care to low-income women i mean those were all things that i thought well everybody can get behind that um 
but I didn't really know anything about the organization at all when I got involved. So only what they had told me. So, um, so when I, you know, when I went there the first time and I sort of experienced what was taking place outside of the clinic, I just thought to myself, what, what in the world is happening? I mean, there were these people out there dressed like the Grim Reaper with these big six foot bloody signs and they're yelling at these women that they're murderers and they're going to hell and they need to keep their legs closed. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if this is the Christian pro-life movement, then I don't want anything to do with that. I'm I'm on the right side here. Um, trying to help these women. That was really what convinced me to keep coming back um, and so eventually I mean I just sort of bought in to their agenda to their mission hook, line, and sinker and um, ended up you know just continuing to get promoted and was there for eight years so you didn't just wake up one day and say I'm super pro-choice it was kind of like an inch by inch sort of thing yeah, it was very gradual. I mean, I, you know, when I first got involved, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I was, I mean, I, I told the girl, oh, oh well, I was raised pro-life. I mean, I would have considered myself more pro-life than pro-choice. Um, but as I was there longer, you know, I really clung on to this pro-choice ideology and and by the end of my time there i mean i would say i mean i was really pro-abortion i mean i believed that abortion was really the right call most of the time for most women who had unplanned pregnancies interesting interesting because You've also said that you you do think adoption is a beautiful thing. So how did you reconcile those two those two views? We we never provided options counseling because uh, if a woman chose an option outside of abortion, then that cut into our bottom line. Um, but I just felt like if we're saying that we're doing this then we should be doing it. And so that was when I started talking to an adoption agency in town and they started coming and actually providing trainings in our clinic for our staff on how to present adoption as an option for women who are in a crisis pregnancy. That was very looked down upon um, by my supervisors at, at, at Planned Parenthood. Wow. Wow. So I want to circle back really quick to something you said earlier that when, when you spoke to that lady at the, the volunteer fair and she was telling you about Planned Parenthood that you didn't really know anything about the organization. Do you think that if you were at that age now, and that was happening in 2019, that, that how do you think that conversation would have gone? Because it seems like Planned Parenthood has been exposed 
on a variety of fronts um, for what the organization does. But I don't really know what it was like back then in like 2001. I, I kind of just know from the past five or six years. Do you think do you think that conversation would have gone differently? I don't know. I mean, you know, it, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't really answer that. I don't know what uh, what it would have been like back then. I, I was um, pretty removed from, you know, political debates or I was a college kid. I was selfish. I was about partying. I was about, you know. <laughs> living the college life, you know, yeah. about that. So I wasn't watching C-SPAN or anything, you know. Um, so yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know, but I, I, I do know that even today, uh, according to a poll that was done by Alliance of Defending Freedom, fifty percent of Americans don't even know that Planned Parenthood provides abortions. So wow, we're you know we're still living in times of real ignorance um, about what's taking place inside of these clinics and, and what services Planned Parenthood is actually able to provide. Yeah. So you, you discuss at length in your book how you sort of uncovered layer by layer how abortion drives the revenue model at PP. I think you said something like one of them told you that that nonprofit is a is a tax status. It's not a business status. So, how how did Planned, Parent, Planned Parenthood's business decisions during your time there influence your thought process on abortion? Well, um, so they they've got to have abortion to stay open. So they they have to have. I mean, their two largest sources of income come from abortion and our tax dollars. Mm -hmm. So one can't survive without, you can't, they can't survive without both. Um, you know, when I was working in the clinic, just with patients, you know, every day, uh, you know, when I was like the low man on the totem pole, I, I didn't know what was going. I mean, I, I was just there to help women get, you know, um, get birth control or, you know, whatever. Um, I didn't know what was going on at the management level. You don't know what's going on. It's not until you get into upper management where you really start to see, you start to see the budgets, you start to see the line items, you see the quotas, um, you know, the number of abortions that you have to sell. Um, so I think, you know, a large part, a large number of the people that work at Planned Parenthood are just, they really just don't even know what's really taking place inside the organization because they're just your everyday worker who's there. Right. So do you see the the fact that Planned Parenthood is making money off of abortions as sort of like a, a separate evil in itself, or is this just part and parcel of what the abortion industry looks like? Like if abortions were really offered w without any profit, if they were just offered at cost, 
I mean, how would that really affect things? If they were just offered at cost, organizations like Planned Parenthood and independent abortion providers would not be able to stay open. Mm-hmm. Um, they need that revenue from abortion. So the, the actual cost of an abortion, uh, let's say early first trimester before 10 weeks, the cost of that abortion procedure is somewhere between $75 and $100. They're charging at minimum four to five hundred dollars for that abortion. So the revenue that they're generating is huge um, off of that procedure. So uh, they have to have there. There has to be uh, that profit. I mean, we look at Planned Parenthood. We just look at Planned Parenthood's annual report by their own admission. They have $1.9 billion in assets. Um, this is not a poor organization trying to make ends meet. Right. Uh, this is a, a billion-dollar organization that is funded by our tax dollars, that's funded by abortion, those two things primarily. They are not some charitable, nonprofit entity, right? I mean, they're... There, <laughs> our doctor, our medical director, he worked about ten hours a week for us. He made five hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, wow. These people are not paid poorly in management, um, so they know what they're doing. I mean, it's a business; they're running a business, and I think that's. I hear that all the time from people who are pro-choice. So they say, "Well, they're nonprofit," and I'm like, "That doesn't mean they're not making money." They're making money, and uh, they're pouring that back into their employees by bonuses if they meet their abortion quotas, huge exorbitant salaries, um, conference, lavish conferences, things like that. Wow. Yeah. Like you said, not a lot of people know a ton about Planned Parenthood. I guess I can only look at it from my perspective because I... I read about these things and I research these things for a living. And obviously, you know all about it, too. Um, but it's really good for our listeners to hear more about that. So as far as the, the revenue is concerned, was this more like a black mark against Planned Parenthood as an organization to you personally? Or was it realizing that that abortion, that Planned Parenthood wasn't serious about what they said, what they told you in the beginning, which is that they were out to reduce the number of board of abortions. Or was yeah, it? Yeah, I, mean, I, I I wasn't really bothered by the money part of it. I mean, they run a business. They're they're pretty transparent about the amount of money that they make through their annual reports. Um, it's a lot of money, but that that wasn't really what bothered me. It was it was just it was these lies that they were selling to the public and the fact that the public was buying them um, and believing that they were this generous organization, charitable organization, um, when really they were just profiting off of women who were in vulnerable situations. And that's, I mean, that's really abusive. Um, But that's, I mean, that's what we did every day. 
So you see uh, abortion as, do you see abortion as something that can be separated from a system of exploitation or, or is that intrinsic to the entire issue? No, I think it's intrinsic. I mean, anytime that you are oppressing the rights of another person in order to uphold your own rights, which that, that is the, that is one of the definitions of abortion. That is what abortion is. Um, that can't be separated from, from its exploitative nature. Um, that just, that is what it is. Yeah. So I, I do want to touch on something else that I, I watched a, a speech that you gave about contraception and you said you, that you grew up in a house that was pro-life, but also very pro-hormonal birth control. And so you you seem to have adopted, you had adopted that stance. Um, and then you were told by Planned Parenthood, of course, and that you believe that, um, you know, handing out the pill and getting people on birth control would reduce the number of abortions. What, what led you to change your mind about birth control and what exactly is your perspective on it now so um it really was when i started looking at how contraception is damaging women's bodies that really caused me to look deeper um you know i'm looking at these women who are 26 years old who have developed osteoporosis because of depo-provera injection i'm looking at women in their 20s who have had to have emergency hysterectomies because an IUD perforated through the wall of their uterus and ended up in their bowel. Um, I'm reading stories of women in their 20s and 30s who have developed breast cancer. And the only consideration for, for the cause of that is that they took hormonal birth control. I'm reading stories of women who have died in, in their 20s because of stroke and heart attack because of birth control. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Why have we been sold this product as something that's good for our health when women are dying from it, developing cancer, having strokes, developing bone diseases? What I mean, that cannot be healthy. That's like the antithesis of healthy. And so I I just started looking at that and then I'm looking at World Health Organization how they've labeled hormonal contraception as a class 1 carcinogen in the same category as asbestos. And women have been sold this lie that they need birth control and that birth control is the solution to the many reproductive problems that could take place inside a woman's body. But instead of fixing anything, birth control is only masking the underlying problem that could actually be fixed through more advanced reproductive technologies. So I just feel like it's it's just further confirmation that women's health and the study of women's health has really been treated as second class in in medical technology in the world of medical technology our bodies are not taken seriously we are taught that if your fertility is working the healthy thing to do is to break it under no other bodily system does that make sense 
I would never walk into a cardiologist and say, you know what, doc, my blood pressure's great. My heart has a great rhythm. Can you give me some pills to set me off into AFib and to increase my blood pressure? That, that would never happen in any other line of medicine, but it's happening every day in the field of women's reproductive health care. And so for me, that was really my introduction to, to why I do and should oppose contraception because I, I do truly believe there is something better out there for women and we should demand that, that, that doctors be searching for it. Yeah. Yeah, I had my own uh, experience with the pill. I'm not going to share details because I'm not much of a share, but I'm not on it anymore. And I I guess I wanted to ask you about this question because I feel like so many women were in were in the boat that I was in, which is you went to the, the doctor and they said, here are the pills, take them every day. It's, you know, 99% effective. Go forth. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And... And you don't, you don't, you're not told about any of the side effects or anything like that. You really have to go search, search for it on your own, and you might not realize till years down the line. Like, wait a second, I was experiencing this because of birth control. Like, it does seem like such a betrayal of women. And I, I am not one of those people that is is always, you know, um, talking about equality in that in that sense but it does seem to me now that i'm on my second pregnancy that women are taken advantage of in the healthcare system in a way that men are not yeah i mean yeah. true i mean i could do a whole podcast just on that but um <laughs> maybe, maybe we should <laughs> just the way that women's bodies are uh mistreated in in <laughs> in the in healthcare departments and research and I mean gosh you can look at the rate of c-section in our country and um I mean sometimes c-sections are are they're necessary and they're life-saving but the amount of women who have to undergo c-sections because their doctors simply want to go home and don't want to spend the night at a hospital I mean, this is just, this is how women have been treated for decades. This is yeah. how women's healthcare has been treated for decades. And the fact that a woman can walk in with 50 different reproductive ail- ailments and be given one pill to treat all of those, I mean, that should make all of us raise our eyebrows. Like, what? That can't be right. This one thing can't treat all of the many complications that a woman's reproductive system can have. No, no. So how far down the line in your in your pro-life conversion did you did you start to become aware of these things? Mm, pretty quickly. Um you know, I had all these new pro-life friends who were well, they were talking about contraception a little bit and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm never going to be one of those people that's against contraception. <laughs> I mean, that's not me. Y'all are crazy. Um, but they had really sort of introduced me to this concept that, hey, maybe it's actually not the best thing for our bodies. And so uh, that was pretty quickly after I 
had left, I really started looking into the research. And and how does contraception relate to relate to back to Planned Parenthood's business model? Because I, I heard you talk about this in your speech, and I wanted to get a little bit more insight into that because right because it makes sense that doesn't it make sense what Planned Parenthood says? It's like well we're just we'll just hand everybody subsidized birth control and then we'll have we'll have less abortions. So obviously we're preventing more abortions than we're performing. And and so that makes us, you know, like a pro-life organization. Is that true? Yeah. So Planned Parenthood's goal is to get your kids, my kids on a contraception method starting at about 11, 12, 13 years old. Now they're going to put them on the pill more than likely. Why? Because the pill has the highest human error rate. So I'm 38 years old and if you asked me to take a pill at the same time every day within a two hour window, I would fail. I would mess that up. (laughs) So if you're asking a 12 year old to do that, you are guaranteed that she is going to fail at that. So But that's great for Planned Parenthood. So she's not going to do what she's supposed to do. Then she's going to end up pregnant. And because her touch point experience with Planned Parenthood was to get that contraception, that's where she's going to go now that she's had a crisis pregnancy. And so it's an opportunity for them to monopolize, to, it's, it's an opportunity for them to say, oh, well, you know, here, your birth control failed, no problem. We have the ultimate form of birth control, which is abortion. And by the way, you don't have to tell your parents about it and we can do it without them ever knowing. And let's take care of that for you. And then what do you know, when we send them back out of the clinic after their abortion, we send them out with more birth control pills, knowing that they're going to screw that up again. So that's, that's the goal. I mean, like, it sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but it's not. It's just their business model, and it's working. I mean, 54% of women who have abortions were using contraception at the time that they got pregnant. Planned Parenthood knows that. That's their own statistic. So they know that the answer is not with birth control. They know that the answer is actually with self-control, mm-hmm. but self-control doesn't make them any money. Birth control and abortion does. So they're trying to push this on our kids younger and younger, which is exactly what why they're trying to get, get into elementary schools to push their graphic sex education program. Wow. So it's the upsell. It's the ultimate deathly upsell. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that blew my mind when you said that. Because uh, it just seems... It seems to make sense on its face, right? That birth control reduces reduces the number of abortions, and that's something that you said you really believed during your yeah. time at Planned Parenthood. So, wait, when did that occur to you? Like, when did you realize? Now, wait a second. This is part of the business model. Well, fifty percent of our clients were repeat abortions. So I was like, uh, "What? This isn't working. <laughs> Whatever we're doing is not working." Why are half of our clients that we are sending out with birth control, by the way, coming back for repeat abortions? 
And and so, I mean, the more I thought about it, the more I thought this doesn't make sense. I started looking at actual research studies. And the overwhelming majority of studies show, I mean, sure, there are a few that are funded by Planned Parenthood and Warren Buffett that show something else. But peer-reviewed research from non-biased sources on this issue show that that where there are higher rates of contraception, there are higher rates of abortion. And that totally makes sense to me now that I think about it, because you have women who are so desperate not to get pregnant that they are willing to put something in their body that will potentially give them cancer, give them a heart attack, That's how desperate they are to not have children. So if they get pregnant, I don't think it's a big leap to say that they might look into terminating that pregnancy. Wow. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm just letting that soak in for a minute. (laughs) I guess that makes sense because, you know, like in our culture, it seems like oftentimes children are either thought of as a burden or they're thought of as like a lifestyle choice. You know what I mean? Like going vegan or living in the city or something like that. (laughs) So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there are so many people who who say that they are pro-life and they are on the pill. And I, I wonder, do you think that is mostly because they are not fully aware of what it does to their bodies or... Yeah, I think it's because they don't know and because they trust their doctor. Yeah. And their doctor's telling them, it's fine. It's fine to put this cancer-causing drug in your body. It's fine to mess up your fertility. It's totally cool. And unfortunately, the doctors, a lot of them don't know any better either because they're taught in medical school that birth control is the only solution that we can give women for their reproductive health problems. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I mean, I was not told anything about natural family planning or anything like that. Um, I've been married seven years. So this was like seven years ago. And I don't think there were any like app, there wasn't any app based technology or something like that, but, but there is now. So it's, so it's interesting to me that the pill still kind of reigns supreme when it hasn't really changed very much in like 70 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of insane. Yeah. Oh, but they have cool new trendy names for it. So. Oh, and all okay. these commercials, right? That makes it better. <laughs> so that's better. Yeah. Same formulation, but new cool name. So, yeah, I armor up with Nexplanon. Yeah, exactly. I love that exactly. one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Your your baby is attacking you from the inside <laughs> out. It's got a little sword there in you. Okay. So I don't want to keep you too long, but I do have one last question. This is something that has been, I've been encountering a lot. So there are a lot of people who say that they're pro, they're pro-life, but they're personally pro-life, which means that they still believe that abortion should be legal. And I know that that was a sticking point when you left Planned Parenthood was 
you weren't quite sure whether it should still be legal or not. What? How do you persuade somebody who says that they're personally pro-life to, to be truly pro-life? I mean, it's a little weird when people say that, like, oh, well, I don't want to be exploited like that, but I'm okay with everybody else being exploited. I mean, it's like basically like the most selfish comment that anybody could ever make. Like, it's just, it's weird to me. That's like a weird, like, you couldn't say that with any other topic. Like, well, I'm not personally a racist, but if anybody else wants to be a racist, that's their decision, you know, or like, I, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like you couldn't, you couldn't use any other sort of topic and insert that into that, that statement and make it make sense. So I'm not sure why people think that makes sense for abortion. Like, if, if it's not, we should want what's good for everybody. So if it's not good for you, why do you think it's okay for somebody else? I mean, that's really the definition of moral relativism. We do not need more of that in this society. And if something is wrong, it's wrong. If it's wrong for you, it's wrong for everybody. And, and that's something we need more talk about absolute truths and what is right and wrong. And I don't think we have enough of that. And so, you know, I just, I'll just say to them like, well, why, I mean, why isn't, why is it okay for everybody else? What's the difference between you and them? Well, I mean, are your children more valuable than their children or what? I mean, for our children, just a personal choice. Yeah, I mean, what what is that like? Because so, to me, that's heading down a road of eugenics, right? Like, yeah. Well, my children are far superior, so we're going to let them live. But your children, they're trash, so we're not. I mean, like, that's a dangerous road to go down. So I feel like when we start pointing that out, that just the just the illogical nature of that argument um it sort of falls flat on its face when people will be like oh well i guess i guess it doesn't make a lot of sense you know but i guess it sounds good you know like well i don't want to impose my views on anybody else tolerance um, it's tolerance right yeah exactly right okay so so you're saying what you said about exploitation. So it's not okay for you to be exploited, but it's okay for somebody else to be exploited. So you, so do you feel like that is a good tack to use to sort of keep down that path of, of exposing exactly how exploitive abortion is like beyond the, the, the core act that's happening, which is taking the life of a child. Do you think that that, that that is a, a, good use of time and words yeah i think we need to keep talking about the exploitive nature of abortion um, because i think that's a road that many people haven't gone down and actually thought about themselves um they just think it's a medical procedure they're not thinking beyond that and <clears throat> 
And so I do think that that's a good road for us to start talking about in, uh, and to start really opening up that dialogue. Well, what is abortion? You know, when people say, well, I believe in the right to choose. The right to choose what? Well, the right to choose an abortion. What is an abortion? Like, let's, let's define it out, right? Like, let's flesh that out. Let's hash it out. Let's go down that road and let's be honest about what we're talking about here. Because the fact that, that the liberal media has sanitized abortion to a point where people think that by using terms like termination and abortion, it somehow puts a salve on the conscience of, of killing those who are, who are killing, that's a problem. But it's because we're not talking about it. We're allowing ourselves to be sort of sucked in to, to using those terms in that discussion. We're not talking about it. So I, I think that we, we do need to start talking about the very nature of abortion and how it is just by nature an exploitation of women and children. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you focus on with with the the abortion workers that you talk to 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 convince them to come come out of the abortion industry? You know, the ones that contact us that want to leave. I mean, th- that this is one of the first conversations that we have because they see it. They see how women have been taken advantage of and exploited for profit inside of their own clinics. That's one of the reasons, many times, that's one of the things that causes them to say, I don't want to work here anymore. So, <clears throat> you know, they see it. I mean, it's it's right in front of them. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely a conversation that, that we have pretty often, um, just sort of as a community of people who have worked in the clinic. Excellent. Um, is there anything else you want to add? I have so enjoyed this conversation. I mean, I, I really hope we can talk again, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think we're good. Awesome. Okay, so Unplanned is in theaters March 29th. You can also buy Abby's book Unplanned, written with Cindy Lambert on Amazon and I think in bookstores everywhere. Uh, you can follow Abby on Twitter at Abby Johnson. You can also visit her site, abbyjohnson.org. As for us here at the 180 Cast, you can follow us on social media at 180 Cast. Give us a like or a review. Give us a review on iTunes if you like the podcast. And feel free to send us your feedback. If you have a 180 story to share with our audience, DM me on Twitter at 180 Cast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Georgie underscore Borman if you are so inclined. Until next time. Seek the truth, share your values, and listen with your heart and your mind. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.